Uh, my name is Ricky. I'm one of the pastors here. How are we this morning? Good? Great to see you guys. Uh, just so happy to be with my Citylite family today. Um, today we're continuing through uh, Jonah. And um, have you guys just ever been in a terribly cruddy situation? Um, I mean, just kind of in a pit, total despair. Um, so years ago, I took a mission uh team down to Costa Rica, and uh, to get where we're going, you had to, you know, you get in the shuttle, you had to drive for several hours uh, on these dirt roads, and then you got off the shuttle, and then you get got down onto these, like, little banana boat things, and actually just went on the river for a couple of hours, and then eventually you got to this this village, and um, we went to a, we stayed at a place, and it was, we called it the Half Star Hotel. Um, it was, that's probably a generous rating. Um, so, uh, I mean, like in some of the rooms, there's some roaches and stuff. And if you recall, I shared this story about when I hit a bat with my friend's crutch. This is, this is the same place. So this is like us, you know, uh, going in these boats to this village. That's not actually where we went. Then we got back in the boats and then uh, traveled for a couple more hours. And we got out of the boats, hiked through the jungle. And then eventually we came to this other smaller, tiny village and they just have like nothing. They have no electricity, no roads, nothing. But we're there uh, to share Christ with them, to show them the love of Christ. And I just want to tell you, man, this was like, this is a really hard trip. I've been on several mission trips, and this one was just incredibly hard. It rained um, all the time. It rained just so much while we were there. In, in my uh, tent, they, um, like, like after a while, me and some of the other guys started to move move to one side of the tent because there was just standing water in our tent. There was one guy that had a cot and just like underneath him because it was a little bit off the ground was just like just water. Um, so it was pretty funny. So this is, a, this is like literally just after day two, you know, like digging, digging away uh, mud, trying to build these trenches to funnel the water. Um, but it, it was just incredibly hard. The first night we were there, I remember this, I'm laying there kind of on my air mattress, so it wasn't super bad with the air mattress, but... And I'm just laying there, and I'm like, man, dude, this smells like porta potty out here. I mean, it just smells totally like poop. And um, so I'm like, just, where is this coming from? You know, I'm like smelling my hands that I, you know, do, not that that normally happens, but it, that I smell like that. But, you know, I'm just trying to find out where is this coming from, you know, anywhere, you know, my clothes, my, my air mattress. Hey, did, my, man, did one of you guys just kind of bust one? I mean, it, it smells really bad. Man, okay, just claim it, man, claim it. No, no, okay. Well, and so then every night it would smell that way. Every night it would just smell. And um, what we ended up finding out is at the end of the trip when we were, gather, you know, putting our tents away and everything, our, our guide where he decided to break camp, um, we had found out this was the area where the pigs did their business. And so when I smell, say it smelled, it was, it was poop, uh, pig poop. That's what it was. So not really cool. And uh, so we're in this low spot, and then we're going to have to go to this uh, next, next place and actually stay in the same tents. And so we hike back through the jungle. We get back on these boats, and it's just raining. We're just exhausted. We're totally done. And then we see it, the Half Star Hotel. I mean, it, it was like salvation. I mean, I mean, I'm not kidding. It was literally one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life was just like, Oh my gosh, we're going back to the place with the roaches. I can't wait. Um, it was so good. Um, but that, this story relates a lot to where we find Jonah at 
in his story, and, and this helps us to see what should we really think or believe or know when we're at our lowest point? What should we do when we're in those incredibly tough situations? So if you've got a Bible, open up to Jonah 2. And as you're turning there, I just want to kind of remind you what was going on the, in the story. So Jonah's a prophet, so he's basically a messenger from God. Um, and God tells Jonah, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to go, go to the capital of your enemies, these people that don't like you, they keep bothering you, they keep attacking you, you don't like them at all. And ev hey, eventually they're also going to be the same people that conquer you in your land. I want you to go to them, and I want you to warn them uh, that their evil has come up against me, the Lord. And so uh, God tells him to go. Jonah says, no, nope, I don't want to do that. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want nothing to do with uh, this job that you've given me. And so instead of obeying God, Jonah just says, hey, I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to get on a ship, and I'm going to sail to Tarshish and go the other way from what you've told me to do and away from, from God. Uh, and then w while they're out to sea, God sends this storm. The sailors are freaking out. They eventually find out, like, okay, well, hey, why is this storm coming? Uh, what's going on? Well, it's because of Jonah. And Jonah says, well, hey, toss me overboard. Once you do that, the sea will become calm. And, and the, the sailors actually have still compassion on Jonah, more compassion than Jonah has on the Ninevites. And so they're like, no, let's try something else. But eventually, nope, they toss him in. The sea becomes calm, uh, be, all because Jonah would actually just rather die than obey God. And so this is where we catch up the story. Verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the f fish. Now, in case some of you, if you're wondering, hey, hey, did this really happen? I mean, did, did a guy really get swallowed by a fish and really stay in this belly of the fish for three days and three nights? Uh, do you believe that, Ricky? Yes, I do. I believe this happened. And if you're wondering, why do I believe this happened? Because uh, there's this guy that actually predicted his own death, said that after he died, he would raise from the dead, and that was Jesus, and he pulled it off. And anybody that actually like predicts their own death and then comes back to life, I'm going to believe whatever they say. And Jesus, you know, he believed that this happened in Matthew 12, and so I believe it as well. Um, so, uh, so God sends this fish to swallow up Jonah, uh, and he's in, in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, and then Jonah prays, right? I mean, does that seem weird to anybody else? I mean, you're in a fish for three days and three nights, and then you finally pray. I feel like I would be almost like immediately, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm swallowed in a fish. God, God, help me, you know, or at least like 10 minutes, you know, like, oh, hey, let's kind of like assess this situation, okay? <laughs> How long? Okay, I'm going to eventually be digested. Okay, God, you know, Jonah's just super stubborn, like, nope, give it three days. Give it some while, then I'll pray. Um, so, um, so he starts uh, praying this uh, from the belly of the fish. And it, the, verses two through six, this is basically Jonah um, actually now in the belly of the fish praying, and he's, and he's kind of recapping actually him crying out to God when he was drowning. When, when he's going down into the depths of the sea, this is his, his prayer. Um, and so one of the questions to ask is, 
how did Jonah get into this situation? What, why is he where he's at? And so first point, first observation is this. He went from drifting to drowning. Jonah went from drifting to drowning. Sometimes you hit rock bottom right away. I mean, one day, things are good. Next day, something happens. Boom, life is terrible. You're, you're in, in despair right away. But usually there's this progression that happens uh, for us being in a pit or being in a bad situation. Um, I mean, you didn't just, like a person didn't just randomly commit adultery on their spouse. Right? It didn't just happen one day, usually out of nowhere. There's this progression. You know, you, you start to talk to somebody. You start to flirt with somebody. You start to imagine things. Um, you know, maybe go grab lunch, just the two of you, and then you have an affair, right? Or, or usually you don't just like one day find yourself in utter peril with your finances. You know, you, you, you built up credit card debt, you made some unwise decisions, you kept building up credit card debt, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, you're, you're in financial crisis. And see, the author here in Jonah keeps repeating this word down. And so in chapter one, when Jonah says, hey, God, I want nothing to do with you, it says that he goes down to Joppa. And then he goes down to the ship. And then he goes down to the bottom of the ship. And then he goes down to sleep. And then in, verse, or in chapter 2, then he goes down into the depths. Okay, so this is what's happening physically with Jonah, is that he keeps, keeps making decisions, going down, down, down. But this is also mirroring what's happening spiritually with Jonah. He keeps going down. But then he also keeps getting farther and farther away from God, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, just choice after choice, and he's just drifting, drifting away from God. And, and many times this happens with us, and we, we might not even notice it. I, I was with some friends uh, on a beach in Rio de Janeiro once, and you know we put our stuff there on the beach, and then we, we run out there, get into the ocean, and we're you know just kind of playing around, messing around. You know, after an hour or two, I look up at to the beach to see where our stuff is, and I don't see it. And actually, I don't even really see where we walked down to the beach. I don't, you know, the buildings. So I'm like, hey, these buildings don't look super familiar. Uh, hey, what happened? And so I kind of look around to get my bearings, and then I see our stuff, and it's, it's like way down the shoreline, about 200 yards. And see, the current had just carried us, carried us away, and we didn't even notice it. We had just drifted, uh, drifted away. And so a question for you is, are you experiencing drift in your life? Are there some ways that you, maybe you haven't even noticed it, but you have just started to drift away from God and what he has for you? I mean, maybe, maybe you're really not pursuing Christ. You know, you, you can't even maybe really remember the last time that you actually just got into God's word to hear his voice and to see what God has to say to you. I mean, can you remember the last time where you're just like, hey, I'm just going to go, and I'm going to talk, and I'm going to pray with my heavenly Father. And I'm, it's not just me about, about asking him to fix some stuff or, or want some things. Like, I just want to spend some time praying with God. You know, you, let, you, you just drifted. Your, your schedule got really busy, and you just have kind of almost stopped pursuing God altogether. Maybe you're in a relationship one day and you just, you just compromise physically. But hey, you, you don't want to do it again, but hey, then, then you know, 
couple days go by and, and then you do it again. And, and you make another choice and you make another choice and, and yeah, this is sin and you try to kind of reason it around but then eventually you're like living in this physical sin with someone else and you don't even think about it. You don't even care. It doesn't even feel like the Spirit of God is even convicting you anymore of what He has for you and God's holiness because you've just drifted. Just drifted away. Maybe it's from your finances. Maybe it's from just pursuing and loving those around you. But what are some ways that you've drifted from God? You know, I've been in ministry lots of years, and I'd say one of the ways that you can really tell if somebody's drifting away from God, if they're drifting away from God's people. Have you just started to drift away from maybe being consistently at church, like worshiping God? hearing God's word preached? Have you drifted away from community with others? Maybe from being in a city group, maybe actually really sharing your struggles, having accountability, vulnerability with others that you're in community with in your city group? Are you in a city group? If you're not in one, I just encourage you, get, get in a city group. Because I, I guarantee you that if you're not in community with others and if you're not around God's people, it's going to be all the more easy to drift away from God if you're not really in community with others. And so Jonah, he's in this situation because he's just kept drifting away from God. And he's in the sea and he's, he's about to die. He's drowning. And in verse 2, he says that he cried out from the belly of Sheol. Now Sheol... Here just means like death. It means nothingness. So I mean like he, he is in this incredibly, incredibly low point. He's in this, in the belly of Sheol. He's in despair. He's in a pit. Have you ever been in a, just in total despair? Have you just been in an incredibly low point in life? Maybe you are now. Maybe you recently heard those earth-shattering words, cancer. Maybe you go to work one day and you find out you don't work there anymore. Maybe you find out that the relationship that you thought was going so well, it's over because they found someone else or because they just don't want you anymore. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe you find out that there's something wrong with someone you love, maybe one of your kids. Maybe you lose the baby. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe you're just struggling in addiction and shame. Or maybe you've been battling depression and anxiety and you feel lost and you feel alone. Whatever it is, either you've been in a pit, you are in a pit, or you're one day going to be. And Jonah, he's, he's in this situation. He's in this pit because of his sin, because of his own doing. And many times that does happen with us. We are in a pit because of our own choices, our own sin. And other times we're in despair, not because of some choice that we made, but it's just because that's just what happened. And we all experience these times, these low places. And in verse 4, Jonah says that he's been driven away from God's sight. And he just, he has this moment that he feels like God has left him. 
And it's at this moment when, when basically when Jonah hits rock bottom, finally, then he cries out to God. See, in chapter one, the sailors actually encourage Jonah. They're like, cry out to your God. And Jonah wants nothing to do with it. Nope, I don't want God. I don't want him to intervene. I don't want, I don't want to talk to him. Nothing. But then when he's finally at this place that he's actually about to die, then he finally cries out. So why does it take Jonah, or why does it take many times us to hit rock bottom before we actually will cry out to God? It's because we finally realize our need for him. I mean, before that, many times we think, hey, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to solve the problem. Hey, it's really not that bad. I'm okay. But when we have nowhere else to go but up, then we finally cry out to God because we see how desperately we actually needed him all along. And just, just so you know, one of the reasons we don't want to sugarcoat things here, we don't, want to, we don't want to like sugarcoat sin, is because we don't ever want you to be fooled into thinking that you can fix everything yourself. We don't ever want you to, to, to trust in your own goodness too much to think that you can actually save yourself to God. God is the only one that can save us. God is the only one to rescue us from sin, to rescue us in this life. We can't fix it. We all have this desperate need for God and for him to save us. And really this whole time, Jonah doesn't, doesn't see his desperate need for God until things get really bad. And then he cries out. But, I mean, think about it. Jonah deserves to die. Right? I mean, he, God has, has initiated this relationship with Jonah, and Jonah's like, no. I don't want nothing to do with you. I don't want nothing to do with your compassion. I'm out of here. Please, God, wants nothing to do with them. I mean, if I'm God, I'm like, and if Jonah's like finally drowning in this situation, I think I'm like, booyah, man. I mean, like, like you know, this is what happens, you know? Like, and all of you are like, man, praise, you know, thank gosh that Ricky's not God. You'd be right. Um, but I'd be like, man, yeah, this is going to be a long time out, sucker. Um, so, I mean, he deserves to... To, um, to die in this, and then he finally cries out. And the crazy thing is, God answered him. Like, look, look at verse 2. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Past tense. He is currently in the belly of a fish, and he's saying, God has answered me. Now, if I was in the belly of the fish, I don't think I would be thinking this is a, a lot of evidence that God has heard me. I think I'm, God, please, I'm hoping that you hear me so I can get out of this fish. But Jonah is saying this from the belly of the fish. God, you heard me. You answered my cry. How can Jonah say this? How can Jonah actually think that even though he's in the belly of the fish, he's not free, he's still probably going to die, how can he say, God, you heard me? And he knows this not because his circumstances have really drastically improved, or because, you know, God will get him out of there. Because Jonah doesn't know if the fish will spit him out or not. The reason that Jonah knows that God heard him is because he knows that God is with him. God is with him. And maybe in your life you're just, you're just like, man, I don't really know if I can see God right now. I don't really don't know if he's with me. I don't feel his presence. I don't see God working. 
I think that he just doesn't care about what's going on and he's just turned his face away from me in this situation. He's not around. But I just want to tell you, even if you can't see him, even if you can't feel him, even if you don't think that he's there, he is there. He is with you. God is near the broken heart. This is what it says in Psalm 34, 18. It says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. In Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Even if you flee from God, he comes after you. Jonah was running away from God, and God came after him. And if you're ever wondering, hey, Ricky, that sounds really great. God is with me. God's not going to leave me. He's going to come for me. How do I actually know that? That God is always with us. And I'd say because he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you. God did not leave you alone in your sin and your lostness and you just being separated from him. Yeah, you didn't deserve it, but God came for you. He came down for you to pursue you, to save you, not because you have anything to offer God, not because you're good enough, not because you're smart enough, not because of anything that you have, but just because God loves you and pursued you and came for you to show you that he is with you. That's how we can always know that he is with us. Whatever pit we're in, whatever situation, even if we can't see him, he's with us. You, you may not get the results that you want. Your circumstances may not change the way you want them to. You may not even get the explanation that you want. Why, God? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to them? You may not get that, but you will get God. You will get him. God has a plan for your pit. And in Jonah's case, God sent the storm. He sent the fish, and he did all this to restore Jonah. And that brings me to the second point. Jonah went from drifting to drowning, and now he goes from drowning to being delivered. From drowning to being delivered. So in the second part of verse 6, he says, Yet... So this after, uh, he's about to die, about to drown. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who regard, who pay regard to vain idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And again, we saw this in the previous verses that Jonah was cast into the deep, cast into the ocean, and he's just gradually sinking. He's gradually drowning. This isn't just like he's tossed in the water and then boom, a fish gets him right away. This is him gradually sinking. Gradually, the waters are coming over him. And so God doesn't save Jonah right away. He lets him sink. And why? Because Jonah needs to grasp the seriousness of his rebellion. Jo See, Jonah thought, hey, my way is, is better than yours, God. I would rather do what I want to do than rather than follow you or be in your presence. Jonah thought that God, being in the presence of God, wasn't that big of a deal. 
That's why he flees from the presence of the Lord. And God placed Jonah in a storm and into the sea, into this pit, because God has a plan for Jonah in Jonah's pit. To feel the weight of his sin and to actually help Jonah come back to God. To see God, to see God's goodness, to see God's mercy, to help him repent. You see, the biggest thing in this story isn't that God saved Jonah from drowning. God saved Jonah from Jonah. God saved Jonah to himself, to God. It's not what he saved him from, but what he saved him to. He saved him to the Lord, to God. And then Jonah says in verse 9, he says, Jonah has a voice of thanksgiving. And again, where, where, where is Jonah when he says, I have a voice of thanksgiving? In a fish. Right? I would not be like, thanks, God. I'd be like, get me out of here. So this is not really this huge upgrade of Jonah's circumstances when he says this. The situation isn't really that much better. And see, when you're in a pit, when you're in despair, almost always the main thing that you want is better circumstances. Right? I'm the same way. I've been in those situations. I want things to be the way that I want them to be. I want my comfort. I want people's approval. And many times I don't really want God in those situations. All I want is God to fix it. Just make it better, God. I don't really care if you're here. Just solve it for me. But the truth in, in the story that we all need to see isn't that our circumstances are the prize. God's the prize. God's the treasure. He is better than my circumstances being the way that I want them to be. This is what it says in Psalm 1611. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Not in my circumstance, not in that job, not in that relationship. In your presence with you, God, there's fullness, not some, but fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God didn't give Jonah the circumstances that he wanted. But God used these drastic circumstances to help Jonah to see what he needed most. Jonah needed God. And many times God uses these circumstances in our lives to help us turn back to him. To help us grow, help us to know him, help us to see that we need him most. And God does this out of his love, out of his mercy. Now I am not saying that every real bad situation is, is just God trying to get you to turn back to him. Right? Some of these situations, they happen. But what I am saying is that regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, whatever it is, God is with us. And having him, knowing him, is greater than our circumstance. Because sometimes we're just okay with if we get just a little bit of God, if we have just enough of him. But God isn't okay with our complacency. Because he wants to give you what is absolutely best for you, what you absolutely need most, and that's him. There's this man named Chris in our church. And it was about a year ago he, he got out of jail. Uh, was released from prison. Was put on probation. 
And um, after a couple months, he, his um, probation shifted, and, and he was actually able to go to a city group because all he could do before that was go to work. And um, so it was getting close to Christmas. And one, the icebreaker question for uh, the city group was, what is your favorite Christmas memory? And some different people answer. And then Chris says, actually, my favorite Christmas memory was a couple of years ago when I was in prison. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, how is that your best Christmas memory? I mean, like, Christmas is a time to eat food. Christmas is a time to be with family. Christmas is a time to, to not be in prison, right? I mean, that, that's a great time to not be in jail. Christmas. How can that be your favorite Christmas memories when you're in jail? And he said, because that was the first Christmas that I actually understood what Christmas was all about. Because that was the first Christmas that he actually knew Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus was better than his circumstances. You see, the main thing in Jonah's situation wasn't that his circumstances or his situation changed, is that his heart changed. Jonah fled from God, didn't want anything to do with God, didn't want God to intervene, but now he's thankful. God, thank you for intervening for me. Thank you for coming to my rescue. He has this shift in his relationship with God. And, and when we see this, Jonah, Jonah says in verse 8, he says, those who pay regard to idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. And, and because Jonah, was, Jonah wanted nothing to do with God, Jonah wanted what he wanted. And after all of this, Jonah finds out, yeah, the things that I thought that I wanted that I thought were more important than God, they don't deliver. All of these idols, and the idol is anything that you think is, is more important or that you place above God. And Jonah is saying, those don't deliver. They make promises and they can't keep. So if you think your money, your job, your home, that relationship, your kids, your finances, what other people think of you, all of those will fall short of the steadfast love of God. And if you want to place your hope in those idols, you will forsake this, like having and really knowing the love of Christ the way that you really can because you're placing your hope in something else. And because Jonah is delivered into this better relationship with God, and instead of fleeing God's presence, he is in God's presence, this leads him to praise God and to worship him. And it says, with the voice of thanksgiving... Right? With thanksgiving, not, not shame, not obligation, but thanksgiving. Because in this moment, Jonah realizes what the goodness and grace of God and what God has done for him. And, and maybe this, this whole episode of how God saved Jonah when Jonah didn't deserve it, maybe Jonah realizes that he is like the Ninevites. Because Jonah's thinking, you know what, God? I don't want to go tell them because they don't deserve you intervening. They don't deserve your grace. They don't deserve your mercy. I don't want to go tell them about it. And now Jonah realizes, and neither did you, Jonah. You don't deserve my mercy. You don't deserve my grace. But salvation belongs to the Lord, and I will give it to you. And I will give it to the Ninevites. Because that's who I am. I am that kind of God that is slow to anger and quick to grace, quick to mercy. You see, 
We're, we're in that same situation that they are. We, you know, we, we're all going to face death. We cannot save ourselves. Every single one of us, without God, we are lost, we are broken, we are hopeless, we're separated from God, we've all sinned against God. But just as God rescued Jonah, God rescues us. And just as God placed Jonah in the belly of the fish, God placed his son Jesus Christ on the cross to pay the price that we should have. To pay the penalty of our sin that really we deserved. But he died in our place. And if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you're not really, you know, you really don't have this relationship with Christ, I just want to tell you, turn to God. Jonah is a guy that fled from God and is at the bottom of the ocean and God hears him. Surely God can hear you now. In whatever situation you are in, cry out to God, trust in him that he saves you, not you. Give your life to Christ. That he's paid the price for your sin. And so Jonah, Jonah is changed. And in verse 9, he cries out with, with this, this voice of thanksgiving. He says, hey, I will sacrifice to you. I will pay what I vowed. And so whenever we actually realize what God has done for us, when we realize how good God is, we will respond with thanksgiving and with sacrifice. We, we willingly sacrifice our time, our energy, our resources, our finances for God. Why? Because you saved me. And ultimately, why will I sacrifice these things? Because you sacrificed your son, yourself, for me in my place. Because of your great love and your grace for us. And so Jonah, we see Jonah's heart changed. He repents and he will obey God. And I just want you to notice, Jonah doesn't bargain with God. Jonah doesn't say, hey, if you get me out of here, then I'll go to Nineveh. He just says, I will pay you what I vowed. Whether I get out of here or not, my heart is yours. My full devotion belongs to you, God, even if I don't get out of here. And just in this, what we see is the, always the best option for us is to turn to God. It's always the best option. Not better circumstances, but to God. I just lost my job. What should I do? Turn to God. I, I just got dumped. What should I do? Turn to God. I've messed up sexually. Turn to God. I don't even really want God that much. What should I do? Turn to God. Everything is going great in my life right now. Turn to God. It's never too late to repent. And, and maybe your circumstances won't change the way that you want them to. Maybe you'll still have those consequences because of choices that you made. But the opportunity is always there to turn to God. I mean, again, this guy Jonah fled from God, <clears throat> is at the bottom of the ocean, and he cries out to God, and God hears him. And here's a question you might be wondering. But what if God doesn't change my circumstances? Because in this situation, Jonah was drowning, and God sent a fish. And eventually, the fish does spit him out on dry land. What if my circumstances don't change? Because we don't always get a fish, do we? Sometimes we have circumstances that can't change, that won't change, that aren't going to change. So what do we do? In the 1860s, there was a woman born 
Um, her name was Annie Flint. Shortly after she was born, uh, her mother died. She lived with her father. And a couple years after that, um, her father died. And then uh, she was adopted. She became a school teacher. And after a couple years of teaching, she started to develop rheumatoid arthritis. It's a very aggressive, very painful form of arthritis. And so her body is just starting to gnarl up and just be in pain constantly. She, all, she had cancer inside of her. And because of her condition, she was bedridden. And she had to wear diapers. And later on, she went blind. She had bed sores all over her body because she couldn't move. And she's just in constant pain because of the aggressive arthritis that had been overtaking her body for decades. And in all of this situation, in all of this despair, this is a hymn, a song that she wrote, and it's called, He Giveth More Grace. And it goes, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. God is so much better than any circumstance that we could ever want. And I wish all of those circumstances could change the way that we want them to. But even if they don't, turn to God. Turn to God. He is our strength. He is our refuge. He is our salvation. He is our delight. And his grace and his love and his mercy will carry us in whatever situation we face. Let's pray.